You know, I, I don't know that I've ever met anybody, Christian or not, seriously, Christian or not Christian, that, that doesn't understand the idea of temptation. Uh, whatever, every, every human being, whether they believe in Jesus or not, uh, they, they know what it means to be drawn to something, to be tempted for something. And that's just what, you know, tempted when you're a little kid to stick the spoon in the socket to see, you know, what happens, right? Um, yeah, praise God for GFIs, right, in your, in your home. Uh, tempted went like uh, when you were in, in, in five or six years old when you got your first big wheel, right? When you, when you got your first big wheel and, and uh, you, you, what you really wanted to do, you were tempted to be evil Knievel, right? You, 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 you saw evil Knievel jump the Grand Canyon or make that attempt. Uh, so, so you're tempted to do things like take your big wheel off your grandmother's front porch that was really high because you just was sure you could fly too. But the problem is you didn't have a rocket booster uh, like evil Knievel had. And it didn't end well. And then you, you got scars on your bottom lip that you, you can hide when you don't shave. You know, uh, so I don't know anything about that. What I'm saying is is uh, you were just tempted to see how things, you know, and then the law of gravity takes over, and then you learn about gravity. Uh, it's, it's a self-correcting error. Uh, or maybe tempted, temptation comes in all forms. It really does, you know. Uh, eat, eating late at night, you know. It, maybe late at night, you, you, you're doing good all day, and then the 9 o'clock comes, and 9 o'clock's the, the witch hour, and, and that's when, when, when you're my age, right? Tempt, temptation comes in all shapes. It, it really does. Maybe you're tempted tempted to smoke because you've, you've quit. You, you have. You've quit for a long time, and, and you occasionally, you just, you, that, that power that, that nicotine had, and you, you want it gone, but, but boy, it, it's just tempting. And for those of you that have, have quit smoking before, you know, you know exactly. Uh, I've, I've talked to many, and I've talked to many that have quit smoking uh, and, and been, have quit for many years, and they talk about just the, the power that it had or, or smokeless tobacco had over their life or, or any, any type of, of substance. It's, it, there's a draw there. Maybe, maybe for you, it's in the quiet moments when, when nobody's around and you're in your truck and and, and you're tempted to follow that link because that link promises something in a fantasy. That link promises some type of healing. That, 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 that link tells you that you can get it there that, you, that you've been missing. And the reality is you'll never find the grace of God in a fantasy because God doesn't live in fantasy. God only lives in reality. So when you chase a link, you'll discover that it, it over-promises and it under-delivers. You're tempted. Temptation is, is real. And the reason it's real is we were, we were born into a world at war. We, all of us, the day you were born, you were born into a world that was at war. And that's why you, you hear Peter tell us things like this. Peter says to us in 1 Peter 5, because we live in a, an electric world, he says, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Listen to me. It doesn't matter if you believe in the devil or not. He doesn't care. He doesn't care if you believe in him. It makes no difference if you believe in supernatural forces. 
It makes no difference if you think that demon stuff is hocus pocus. I've even had Christians tell me at times when it comes to praying over strongholds. You know, sometimes we do that. If you're a guest at Clearview, it's not uncommon for us to have an altar call and just, and, and, and if, hey, if you're, if you're struggling with something, or maybe it's depression or anxiety, or maybe you're struggling with anger or hostility, or maybe you're struggling with some type of thing going on in your job, and there's a stronghold on your mind, it's not uncommon for us to have altar calls, and, and people come down here and, and pray for a release. And I had a, I've had people over, over time say, you know, I don't, I don't, I just want to come to church, and, and, and what they're saying is, I don't don't want to deal with that. And and the reality is, you know, I would like not to deal with it either. But it doesn't change the fact that we have an enemy, says the word of God, who is proactively looking to bring harm. We were born in a world at war. So I want you to turn in your Bible to to Luke chapter 4. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's the Gospels. If you have a Bible, kind of start in the middle, go to the right, you'll hit Matthew, Mark, and then you'll hit Gospel of Luke. And he was a a, a doctor, he was a a medical man, and if you're on a device, uh, it's uh, New American Standard is is where I preach from. If you want to go down to what, follow me. We're going to read this. And we're today, we're, we're, as we're getting there, we're talking about the real reason why you face temptation. All of us know, right? That's the title today. The real reason why you face temptation. We all know what it means to be tempted. Have you ever thought about why? And we're going to deal with that for a minute. Why is it? You know it's real. I don't have to convince you of that. You ever thought about why? So, he, so in these pivotal moments in Jesus' life, Jesus was tempted. In fact, the Bible tells us, by the way, Jesus was tempted in all forms. All forms. That means Jesus was tempted with greed. Jesus was tempted with hatred, to hate someone. Jesus was tempted sexually. Jesus was tempted... Physically, there's nothing that you face, the Bible tells us, that Jesus didn't face. Because Jesus was a man. If you cut him, he bled. He was God in the flesh. So let's look at what happened when Jesus, we're looking at the life of Jesus in the next few weeks, pivotal moments in Jesus' life. Here we go, Luke 4, verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days. Being tempted by the devil, he ate nothing during those days. And when they had ended, he became hungry. So he's pretty empty, right? If you've ever done an extended fast, the longest ones, I've I've done a few seven-day fasts, and I'm going to tell you, it's, it's it's, it's not uncommon. You... You, you start feeling things, and your body starts going through withdrawals. I can't, I've never done a 40. I've got a few friends that have done 40s, and they say it's amazing what God does, and it's also brutal at times, mentally. So Jesus, at the end of that, in verse 3, it says, And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. And so, it says, the devil led him up 
and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. So he, le- he leads him up to a, a high top and he shows him the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. It's a supernatural thing. It's kind of hard to wrap your mind around, but it's what happened. And the devil said to him, I will give you all of this domain. And he, by the way, he's not talking about physical territory. He's not talking about like land navigation. Like there's Jerusalem over there and you know, here's Bethesda over here. He's not, no, he's talking about kingdoms, power. He's talking about all, I mean, he, I will give you all of that, he says, verse 6. I will give you all this domain and its glory for it has been handed over to me and I'll give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you worship before me, it'll be yours. And Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So it says he, the, the devil, led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, jump. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands, they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Don't forget for a second that our enemy doesn't know the word of God. To twist it. And Jesus answered and said to him, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And this is a sobering verse. Verse 13. When the devil had finished every temptation, he left him until an opportune time. He wasn't done. He wasn't finished, right? So what's the real reason of of why we're tempted? If you notice, Jesus fought temptation with the word of God. He did do that. In fact, notice that those verses come from the book of Deuteronomy. What was the book of Deuteronomy? The book of Deuteronomy was practical playbook, right? The book of Deuteronomy was the practical playbook. It was the place where God had given his word to his people so that they could have practical living strategy. And that's where he took it from. So Jesus did fight Scripture. I mean, he did fight with Scripture, and he he did have a command of Scripture. And I want to tell you, before we get any further into this, listen, especially for men, I hear this from men a a, a lot. I do. I've heard it from men uh, most of my ministry life. A lot of you don't enjoy reading. I I get it. I mean, that's why they call it Sports Illustrated, right? I mean, it... (laughs) Um, and we, we, you don't really enjoy reading, and, and I understand that, but let me tell you something, man. If you plan, listen to me, fellas, especially you fellas, because I do, I understand. It's, sometimes reading just isn't your gig, but I want to tell you something. If you intend to win in the physical, you better fight in the spiritual. You hear me? If you intend to win in the physical realms with your money, if you intend to win in your parenting, if you t- intend to win in your job, in the physical, if you intend to win in the sales meeting and not blow your top, if you intend to win in the physical, you better fight in the spiritual. And you better learn to fight. And the only way to do that is through the Word of God. Let me tell you something. I, I've said it a million times. I, I'm telling you, I've said it a million times. We live today in the most biblically illiterate church culture we've ever seen. I kid you not. God's people across this nation are truly illiterate when it comes to the Word of God. Maybe not you. I mean, listen, 
All of us, I mean, none of us are ever going to reach, attain perfection when it comes to knowledge of the Word of God. But I'm telling you, God has disclosed himself in his Word. And you know what? I, I, you know what I do all the time? I, I, I use uh, on the YouVersion Bible app. I download versions that have the audio version. If you don't like reading, just get it in you. Get the Word of God in you. Because Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, Jesus said he will disclose himself. And in fact, if you go and read John 14, 15, and 16, it says that the Holy Spirit, one of his roles is to bring into remembrance what was taught you. So, so the Holy Spirit will, once you get the word in you, now I'm not talking about, you know, sticking the Bible under your pillow and laying on it. You know, osmosis isn't part of Deuteronomy, right? But I am telling you, get the word of God in you, men and women. Play it over your Bluetooth. Even if it's just a chapter, get it in you. Because here's what happened. When Jesus was at a weak moment and the enemy comes at him with huge, huge bids, he was able to pull from the word of God. So listen, I, I, could, I could truly, this temptation narrative of Jesus' life, I could, I could really spend weeks here. I mean, it, it, it is deep. And, and I could try to go through all the nuances, and that's really more for your small group to, to work through that or do that in a small Bible study. I can't, I can't achieve that just on, on one sermon on a Sunday morning. So that's why I want to talk to you about the real reason why you're tempted. Because, because you, we all know it's real. But I do want to unpack for a second the ways, because it does matter. And I think the first thing we see is that, that Jesus was tempted by a physical need. Don't, don't overlook that. The first temptation, Jesus is hungry. So he goes out. What does he do? He goes after the sore spot, right? He goes after the spot where he's, he's in immediate need. You ever been truly hungry? If you've been an American, probably not. You know, I mean, you know, I, my body's told me. I, I, I mean, I, look, I, I, look, I could miss a meal or seven. You know, it, 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 it's, it, we, we could, but I will tell you, when you do go through a fast, when you first eat and you say, thank you for this meal. It's different. It's different. So, so Jesus had, I can't imagine 40. I had a good friend of mine one time, his first 40, he, he, uh, he passed out on the 40th day in worship. Um, but, and, I, you know, he told his wife, uh, he said, if I, if I die, don't, don't, don't stop it. <laughs> he said, I'm not breaking this fast. He said that 40th day about killed him. But but he, he, I can't imagine what Jesus might have felt. So Jesus was tempted with a, a physical need. And, and so what I want you to understand is, is when, you, when, when sometimes the enemy's going to come at you with a, a, a need that you perceive you have. Now, I want you to listen to me really close when it comes to physical needs. Temptation starts in the mind, okay? It may start with something you see. But what are the eyes? The eyes are the window into the soul, right? So it may start with, it's why men, the, way, the way you're marketed to as men is different than the way marketing companies go after women. More often than not, marketing campaigns with men start with the visual and lead it to a need. 
More often with women, marketing companies will start with an emotion and lead it to a need. So if you, if you can get to a place in your life where you perceive you need something, it's easy to be tempted because if the enemy can tell you you're missing out, did you hear that? And missing out looks different for everybody in this room. Oh, if you only had that. You know, there's a great litmus test for temptation that I've had to apply to my life many times. If you ever find yourself saying something in your head like, if I just had blank, it would be better. If I could only blank, it would be better. Listen, you're in danger right there. You're in danger. The grass is not greener on the other side. You know where the grass is greener? Where you water it. That's where the grass is greener. But it's really easy for us to look, and, and, and we, if we perceive an actual need, if you think in your mind something's missing, watch out. That doesn't mean we have, don't have needs. We do have needs. It doesn't mean we don't have desires. But I want to tell you what I've learned at 48, especially living a good life that, that I get to live. Most of what I think is a need is really a want. Most of what I think is a need is really just a want. Most of the time. Most, not, not always, but most of the time. So Jesus was tempted with a physical need, but Jesus was also tempted to seize power. Oh, this, this is a big one. Jesus was tempted. So the second temptation, he tells him that, uh, hey, if, you, if you, you could have all this. Notice that the enemy said, I've, I've been given all. I can give it to whoever I want to give it to. For whatever reason, our God has given Satan a role to play in this world. He is called the prince of the age often in scriptures. And so, so, so God has given him uh, the ability to orchestrate things to a certain degree and I don't understand all of that. I just know that it is a reality. And you see it every day. Watch the news. I mean, you can see that the enemy has a role to play. And so Jesus was tempted to seize power. You say, Jason, what, what do you mean? Well, let's go back to Adam and Eve for a minute, right? What, do, do, you, do you think it was truly eating an apple or eating from the tree of knowledge that got Adam and Eve in trouble? No, no. What happened with Adam and Eve was that they wanted control. And so they took it. They were told, you can, ha you can do anything. You have, you have free domain, free reign, a life of no shame, a life of no need. The only thing is, don't go shopping over here. It won't do for you what you think it will. Don't do it. Stay away from it. See, God gives you boundaries not to restrict you. God gives you boundaries to keep you alive. He gives you boundaries to keep you alive. So what, so what happens? The, the, the enemy tempts them, and they wanted something, and they took it. At the end of the day, sin, temptation that leads to sin, it starts in some form or another, with selfishness. I'm telling you. I I'm telling you. You don't, you don't just wake up one day as a 40-year-old grown man and say, you know what? 
I think I'm going to have an affair on my wife today. I think I will torpedo my entire career, wreck my kids, and end up losing my job and everything I've got because, I don't know, she's pretty. You don't do that in a day. You don't, you don't cheat the company. You don't wake up one day and say, I think I'll just torpedo my whole career because I'm just going to embezzle $15,000 a year slowly, 5000 at a time. You don't just wake up and do that. That takes time. The enemy's setting you up. Why? Why was Jesus tempted to seize power? Because the enemy was tempting him to say, there's more for you. There's more for you. You should grab it. You should get it. There's more for you. You're not getting enough over here. You could have more over here. And so what Adam and Eve do is they see an opportunity, and at the end of the day, they wanted to put the power in their own hands. And they did. See, the, the truth is, God will let you have your way. He will not force his love on you. So Adam and Eve wanted to be their own boss. Okay. But there's no free lunches. You get to own it. You get to own all of it. And so you can be your own boss. And you can go on that journey. Jesus was tempted. Can you imagine the pull of knowing that you could run the world if you would just pay homage over here? Man, it's powerful, isn't it? Jesus was also tempted at the end of it all, I think, by an assault on his identity. You see, when the physical need didn't work and when the power grab didn't work, now Satan brings the hammer. When the physical need, when he's able to push that off and say, no, God is enough. When he's able to say, hey, you can have more. He, he, when, when Jesus says, no, I have emptied myself for the Father's pleasure, not your pleasure. I'm not your pawn. I, I'm, I'm, able, I'm working for the, the kingdom of God to be fulfilled. When he can make it through that, okay, the, in effect, the gloves come off and now he comes after. Notice what he said in the third temptation. He says... In verse 9, if you are the Son of God, prove it. Prove it. If you are, I mean, if you really are who you say you are, then prove it. You know what he was doing right there, don't you? He was seeing where Jesus was loyal. He was looking at his loyalty. He was looking at his identity. He comes after something deeply personal. You ever had the enemy come at you with something deeply personal? Aren't you fascinated? I am fascinated. I am fascinated by Satan's ability to, when he comes at me with things, it's like of all the things you could have picked, you pick that one. You know, because see, it's all different for every one of us. For some of you, it's self-image. 
For some of you, it's confidence. You don't have it. For some of you, it is you've struggled your whole life up and down with depression, and the enemy says to you, you know, if you were really a Christian, you wouldn't feel that way. Some of you grew up with not a lot of money. You, you, you grew up in a household where, where it was just, it was tough. And so you scrape and you claw for that next job title or that next raise because, and then, and when you don't get it, what does the enemy do? See, I told you, they don't care. It's amazing how he comes at the places that have a history. By the way, I'll tell you something. When you're feeling pushed and when you're feeling pulled or when you're feeling rained down upon, I'm telling you, I'm not saying it's 100% true I'm, every time, I mean, but more often than not in my life, the temptations I face are not arbitrary. They're not esoteric. They, are, they have a history. They go way back to an old wound. They go way back to a place where you were wounded. And so most of the time when you, have a, when you have a place in your life that you find temptation, watch and see, has, have you faced this before? Have you noticed this happen to you before? He comes after his identity. So we know it's real, but here's the question for you. We know it's real, but why does it happen? That's the question. Why does temptation happen? That's the real issue for the Christian. Is it just because Satan wants to confuse you? Well, sure, but that's not his motive. Is he, is he the, the author of chaos? Oh, absolutely. But that's not his motive. Is, is, Satan's, is Satan's goal, is his motiva motivation to bring chaos into your marriage or to bring chaos into your dating life or to bring chaos into the classroom where you're in 10th grade or 11th grade and you're just trying to make it out of the 11th grade, which 11th grade was hard? I'm serious, man. Let me tell you something. For all of our middle schoolers and, and high schoolers, hey, y'all, let's just be for them. I'm telling you, it's brutal out there. Survi survival is kind of the goal when you're in middle school and high school. I mean, people get labeled with things in middle school and high school that they deal with when they're 50. It's a war zone emotionally and spiritually at times. Is, is he there just to, just to wreak havoc? Well, yes, yeah, sure. Is he there just to harm your family? John 10.10 10 says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Yeah, that's part of it, but that's not the reason. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. This is important for you to know. Why the attack? Why the pressure? Why the push? Why the invasion? Why? I'll tell you why. Because you're the image bearer. You are the image bearer of the supreme being that Satan hates the most. He hates you, but he hates the Son of God because he couldn't beat him. You are the image bearer. 
When the Bible says when you stepped into Christ, the Bible says when you walked into Christ, when you repented of your sins and you gave your life to Jesus, the Bible says over and over and over again, all throughout the New Testament, in many shapes and forms, in many ways, in many metaphors, in many ways the scriptures have played out from Paul and Peter and Jesus and Luke and John and others, the Bible says that you took on the person of Christ. And for that one act, you are hated. You're the image bearer. He doesn't own you anymore. He doesn't own you. Galatians 2.20 is a very powerful verse. I think about it often. I've been crucified in Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live, I live in in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Now let's look at that again. I have been crucified. Look, that doesn't mean that you got better right? If you came to Jesus, you didn't get better. Getting better is just a short-term fix. It will get worse if you try to get better, promise. If you try to do better, a do-better theology is a theology of the pit. You're not going to do better forever. I've been crucified. What does that mean? Permanent. September 2nd, 1990, there was a small funeral that nobody knew about. The day I came to Jesus, there is not a tombstone. There doesn't need to be one. Because there is a day when I will come out of that grave and the real one too. I am new in Christ. I've been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. You see, you're the image bearer. You got to know that. You got to know that you're the image bearer. And he's coming after you because he hates the son and he hates the father. And he hates the Holy Spirit. But you got to know, when you are tempted, you don't have to take the bait. Did you hear me? You don't have to take the bait. You don't. If you're tempted with self-image, remember whose you are. Right? Remember who owns you now. Is that part of your story? Yeah, back there sure is, sure was. But it isn't who I am now. If you're tempted to feel depression and anxiety, listen to me, friend. You have control over the story you believe. Do you really believe that? I don't know that you do. I don't know that most Christians understand. You don't have to accept the story you're told. You have a new Being in you, the spirit of the living God, Christ in me is what? The hope of glory. So look at what Paul says in Romans 8. Oh, I love this. Isn't this great? Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation. Hallelujah. You have no obligation. Let's just stop to to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. You know, that's why Paul tells us on further in Romans 8 that the Spirit of God testifies with my spirit that I am a child of God. So that, te- that inner testimony, that inner war that you feel of the old versus the new, that is validation that something changed in you. You're not just cleaning up to be better. 
But let's look at that. Look at the very first sentence. Therefore, brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to... Now, let's just stop. Let's just... Okay, this isn't really very Baptist, and it, certain, it, it certainly isn't good hermeneutics, but we're going to do it anyway for just a minute. Okay? I want you to stop after obligation, and I want you just to put a big blank right there. You are under no obligation to fill in the blank. Gossip. Because you're just mad at that person. You are under no obligation to continue hating your mother. You are under no obligation to still be mad at the person that fired you 17 years ago. You are under no obligation to continue to hate the person that assaulted you when you were 14. You are under no obligation to feel like that the square footage you have and the balance in your bank account is any reflection on your worth. You are under no obligation to what? You're under no obligation to believe that. You're not. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that there is a new story? Aren't you glad that there was a story back there, but it is not the story now? Aren't you glad that you have this Redeemer who has buried all of that? Aren't you glad that this world is not your home? It's fascinating to me that we spend so much time trying to make heaven on earth. I don't want this to be heaven. No. <laughs> I mean, come on. I really don't. If Jesus splits the sky today, it's one day too late for me. I mean, really, I don't hate this place, but I'm not. It's why I love the, our elderly population when they, when they get into their older days. They're like, hey, can you do, let's just get this over with. I mean, really, ready to experience the heavenly. Yes, buddy. Every time I stand over somebody's funeral, there's a part of me going, man, if I could only... We're under no obligation. So the next time that you feel the pull, remember, you are the image bearer. And you don't have to play the game. You know, you often don't think about sharing something with somebody like a tweet or an email or sending them a sermon or sending them a podcast. You don't often think of that as missions, but it is. It's not that you have to send it to the whole world or post every single thing we do at Clearview on your feed. But if, if you've heard a sermon or if you've listened to a podcast, think through your life. I mean, God, who needs to hear this? Sometimes it, it, it doesn't need to go on your Facebook page. Sometimes it needs to go on your Twitter. But sometimes just a simple text to one person can make all the difference in the world. Is sending them the Word of God in real time. Share it. You'd be surprised how far it goes.